You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about why you shouldn't practice trading with a $6,000 trade. And it's really not in that it's necessarily the $6,000 trade that we're focusing on. It's just, again, getting back to some of these basics, which I think are so, so important and using, in this case, someone else's trade that they did and just be, or anybody else's. It's not like I'm using someone in particular's trade, but a lot of people's trades that end up kind of blowing up in their face when we went through the recent kind of down move in the market. So I think it's another good time just to take a step back, reflect on obviously what happened, see where we're going from here, and then how we can start to use this to our advantage to make better decisions, make better trades, and hopefully make more money. So getting right into it here, I think there's a couple things I'm going to go over in today's podcast. And really, there's like four main things I want to offer here as like the framework for how I think about trading and and particularly why I say don't use the $6,000 trade to practice trading options because I think a lot of people got caught in this. So last week or let's say two and a half weeks ago now, the time that we're recording this, the market had a huge drop, right? We saw the S&P basically go from its highs all the way around almost $2,900 or 2900 on the S&P down to around 2550 So a pretty massive drop. And it happened in about six days. So did not take long. The first like four days, we're okay. The first last like two days of this like drop cycle, like it really kind of fell off a cliff and people were kind of going crazy to some degree. And we were posting videos and posting comments and replying back and kind of being, I don't know, I felt like sometimes like a psych, a psychiatrist, like a therapist, you know, just trying to understand like what people are doing, trying to calm people down. But it was a crazy time for sure, because the markets just seemingly had more volatility than we've seen in years, really. And I think a lot of people haven't seen that. So the reason that this podcast comes up is because during that time period, basically those six days, we saw a ton of inbox flow from people who had positions that had blown up. And what it basically came down to, because I'm just totally curious and always wanting to know how people got into the situations and the mess that they got themselves into, I started asking things like, well, send me your screenshots, like send me a list of your port of your position, send me a, you know, like when did you get into it? What's your position size? What's your account size? And sure enough, the writing is on the wall that all of the people who got into really, really serious trouble did two things really, really bad, right? And two things that they know they should, shouldn't have done necessarily in hindsight, but now, you know, got, it was easy to get sucked into the mania. It was easy to get sucked into market rallies. Like this happens all the time. It's never going to change. And this, for anything, like even for me, proves the point even more that, you know, like people's emotions and humans in general, we are just like so bad and have such short-term memory loss. It's, it's not even funny. Like we totally forget what happened in 2007, 2008, 99, 2000. Like we totally forget that and write that off because this time is different, right? Airfingers quotes, this time is different, but it's not, it always happens the same way. It's the same mechanics that end up playing out. They could take a little bit longer, a little bit shorter to play out, but it's the same basically song playing on repeat. 
but all the people that send over their statements and I try to help out and try to help curb losses and, you know, talk them through their situations, back them off of the cliff, had two major things in common that they did wrong. Number one is position size way too large, right? Like, and people know this and even people know me now well enough that they started writing in saying, I know, I know, I know my position size is too, you know, too large. And of course I reply back and I'm like, you're right. Like you, if you knew this, why did you do it? And it's almost like, I don't feel like I'm doing this, but it is it is like when I reprimand my kids sometimes, it's like, you know, you shouldn't hit your sister, but why did you do it anyway? I don't understand why as adults, we still fall into this. Like we're rational investors, we're rational people. And for the most part, people act rationally until they don't during these market situations, and whether it's exuberance highs or, you know, the pits of the lows, we just don't act rationally during these periods. We over allocate because premium was low and it seemed like easy money. And so we just over allocated. We had too many positions, too large positions on at one time. So position size was a huge issue. The reason I say a $6,000 trade was because one person in particular had about a $6,000 trade in about a $10,000 account. One trade, $6,000 in a $10,000 account, which was almost 60% of their account balance wrapped up into one single individual trade. And sure enough, the trade went really bad because they were bullish on the market and they had the whole position bullish. And so things basically blew up for them for that trade. Now, that wasn't a trade we recommended and we never recommend, obviously, that you allocate that much money onto a single trade. We say one to five percent per ticker. But it just proves the point that like people get so excited and so like it's like chasing this high, this return and then they, you know, it backfires right at the, you know, the time at which they're weakest, which unfortunately was, you know, two and a half weeks ago or so. So that was the first thing. So position size was way too big. Second thing was, is not enough neutral positions. This I think has come because of the last like six months. So this is not something that was new to, you know, right before the fall, but had come over the last six months is trading neutral was kind of falling it out of favor. Because what we had seen in 2017 was you know, generally the market moved higher. It had some ups and downs, but generally moved higher. And then 2018 started, or like end of 2017, beginning of 2018 started, and the market just took off, right? And so the neutral trade became out of favor. People didn't want to do a neutral trade anymore because the market was just rallying so hard and so strong that it didn't really make sense to do it. And so the problem with that was is that not only were people over-allocated during the market fall, but they were over-allocated in the wrong daggone direction. Now, it could have been 100 times better if they were over-allocated and bearish, right? But who knew when the market was going to fall? Like, I didn't know it was going to fall from the top like that. Like, nobody knew that, right? That's why it was kind of like a mini black swan event to some degree. But they were over-allocated in the wrong direction. So had they been at least like half of their positions, even if they were over-allocated, but they were neutral positions, meaning... They had some bearish, some bullish positions. They would not have done as bad. It would the sting from the market falling would not be as great. So those were the main two issues that I see definitely. And it was across the board. I mean, it didn't matter where you were from. It didn't matter uh, what part of the world you were from because people in the U.S. got hit. People abroad got hit. It didn't matter if you were young or old or had an IRA or not. Like these were consistent themes like this. You know, threads were consistent through all the people that really, really got hammered, which I is why I want to do this podcast. So in saying all that, I think there's like four things that we can kind of get back to as like a framework for how we should be trading, right? And I, w- I really want to touch on these and hopefully you use them as, you know, to your advantage. If you didn't trade through that environment, you know, use this as a learning experience, obviously, to 
try to improve yourself in case the next down move comes because I think it will come in the future and there's probably a higher probability of it happening now that we've you know put in such a, a huge run-up in volatility and we've made such a big different uh, trend change in the indexes. So the first thing is is to paper trade until you get the feel for things. So the reason that I, I titled this podcast, I said, don't practice trading with real money trades is because you you really shouldn't at first totally, totally practice until you've gotten the feel for things. Like we don't let drivers go out and practice driving on the road, right? In the States, at least. I don't know if they do this in other countries, but in the States, we don't let people go out and practice driving on the road without having some sort of like safety driving course or driver's education course. You got to get some sort of practice behind the wheel before we just like let you loose, right? And unfortunately, most brokers don't require this because they just want you to start trading your money right away and start earning commissions. They have a paper trading platform. They talk about it. I'm not saying that, but I feel like people should start practice, you know, paper trading to really get the feel for things, get the hang of the market. And what I mean paper trade is I mean like take a lot of shots with paper trading. So what people do that's wrong with paper trading is they get in there and they treat paper trading like a real account. And we know it's not. And you can't replicate a real account. You can't replicate the feeling of a loss or the feeling of a win with paper money. It just It's never the same. So when you start paper trading, use it for what it's meant to be or what it's intended to be. And that's an account where you can practice a lot of different things and screw up basically until you get it right. So if I were you, if I were paper trading, I would start paper trading, say a hundred iron condors. I would literally do a hundred iron condors and start doing those over and over and over again until you get the hang of a hundred iron condors, right? Like after a hundred trades, you'll get a really good feeling of where the market is and how iron condor performs in the market. If the market goes down or up, you'll probably have to adjust like 30 or 40 of those. So now you get into a really good rhythm of adjusting iron condors, right? So that's what I think paper trading should be. It should be used like you practice sports or like you practice a discipline like music or dance or whatever you practice. So get a feel for things first. And this is a great environment to start doing that because we're going to have a lot more volatility here over the next couple months than probably what we've seen over the last year. And that means that you're going to get shown, you're basically going to get shown a lot of different environments. A lot of different things are going to be thrown at you and it's going to help kind of reinforce some of these topics. So number two is once you actually do start trading, please start with really, really small risk-defined positions. Probably the smallest position that you could possibly create is a $1 wide credit spread, which in most cases might have $30 of potential profit and $70 of max risk. So literally your first true position could be a $70 risk trade. So that's probably about as, as low as you can possibly go on that spectrum and still have a high probability of success. So I think you should start small with those trades and then start slowly adding them. Now, again, you're probably going to be pretty confident because you've done, let's say, 50 or 60 credit spreads before in a paper trading account over the course of a couple weeks. Now you can start feathering in some of these real money trades with a very, very small amount of risk. Now, why do I say like so, so, so small? So you get the hang of trading small because you have to trade with small position sizes. It's so, so important that it doesn't even, like I I could do hours and hours of conversations and talks on why small positions are important, but it allows you to not get yourself into a situation like one person did where they had 
one $6,000 trade in a $10,000 account, right? That's totally crazy. That's totally gambling and being ridiculously stupid with your money and your allocations, right? And they knew it. Like they knew it hindsight. They're like, yep, that was really stupid, but they got greedy. And that's, you know, that's what happens. Number three here is remember that the law of large numbers is your friend. And what do I mean by this? I mean that when we start trading high probability setups, that does not mean, and apparently people think that this is what it means. It means that when you trade a 70% chance of success trade, some people automatically associate that with immediately winning. I don't know how that happens. I don't know what the cognitive disconnect is in people's minds, but a lot of people, when they sign up or start trading options, they think 70% chance of success. Great. That means that there's a hundred percent chance I should make money in the first 10 trades, but we know that's not the case, right? That's not true. That's not how it happens. You start making money. You start hitting that 70% chance of success level or higher as you start making more and more trades. So more trading is your friend, not your enemy. It helps you smooth out the market noise and it makes market direction become meaningless. Market direction is meaningless the more often you trade. So think about it this way. If I were to tell you, hey, you only had one opportunity to invest your money one single time, right? Like one $6,000 trade that you get per year. So you get one opportunity to get into the market and make a $6,000 trade. Well, that's crazy. It places way too much emphasis on that one single event. Now, your setup could be perfect. You could set it up at the right probability of success level. Your pricing could be perfect. The stock that you're picking is the highest implied volatility possible, but it just goes sideways, right? Like everything is great about the setup, but it just absolutely goes sideways. And so what you have to understand in that exact moment is that the total opposite of that spectrum, which is trading as often as you can possibly trade in your account and keeping your position size small makes market direction meaningless. When you trade one time, the market direction is everything. When you trade hundreds of times during the year, market direction is meaningless because every time the market moves up, you add a new position. If the market moves down, you add a new position. If the market stays the same, you wait and add a new position, right? You're just constantly moving in and you know trading around the market. It's just this this ebb and flow that you go through with the market. So if the market goes down, you don't care. If the market goes up, you don't care because you're constantly moving with the market. Yeah, some trades are going to lose and some trades are going to win, but over time you should hit your probability of success. So again, number three is just remember the law of large numbers is your friend. Number four, stop rushing through things. And this is really kind of the big one that I want to go over is please stop rushing through everything. Slow down so that you can speed up. We talked about this in the daily podcast before. It's my new favorite saying for options traders. Everyone gets so freaking excited for trading that they just rush through everything. It's like they're cramming for a test, but this test is not just one and done. This test lasts years, like decades, if you're going to be in this business for a long time, right? So please stop rushing through everything. Don't rush through the video training just to complete the video training. Somebody just emailed me uh, like literally this morning and said, I completed all 115 daily podcasts so far, like in the last like four days. I'm like, there's no way you can comprehend that in in four days. Like that's so much information in four days. Yeah, you might've gone through and clicked through them. You might've 
heard what I was saying, but you didn't listen to what I was saying, right? Please stop rushing through everything. Take your time, especially now, like now that we've had a great learning example, go back through and start looking at what happened to a lot of stocks. Start reworking a lot of indicators maybe that you use. If you use some technicals, go back through and look which technicals worked, which technicals didn't work. Like what signals did you get? How much did the market move before it rebounded? How much did it rebound in a day? Like I'm a student of the game and I like geek out on all this stuff. I go back and I look at this stuff all the time. That's just who I am. And I think people have to do the same to some degree just to understand what's going on and and what options trading is and how it works. Too often people will rush through because I see it on my end. Like I've got admin access to everybody's account. I can see what everyone's doing and what everyone's doing, how fast they're going through trainings. I know what people are doing. Like there's no way people can get through an entire track in two hours. Like they're just clicking through the videos and then saying, I completed the track. You didn't complete it. You just clicked through the videos, slow down, understand the concept. And once you master that one concept, it might take you an extra hour of time. Then you'll never have to come back and revisit it again ever, right? So if everyone truly understood, at least in this like market down move, just the two things I talked about earlier, which was trading neutral and keeping position size small, if they really understood that, they would have never gotten themselves in these situations ever, right? Like if you know not to drive backwards on the freeway, you're never going to drive backwards on the freeway because you're going to crash, right? So that's what they were doing. They were driving backwards on the freeway, hoping that they just, you know, could bob and weave between everything and make it out safe. They were being too greedy. So anyway, so that's the, the last one. Please don't rush. Slow down so that you can speed up later on. It really does work out pretty well. So hopefully that helps out. Like I said, I wanted to kind of throw this podcast in here this week because I do think it's important. I think what we've gone through is is a learning experience. A lot of people who have traded over the last, say, two and a half, three years have never really been through this type of environment. And this is nothing. Like, first of all, so like, let's be clear on this. What we just saw in February, the beginning of February, is absolutely nothing compared to what we could see if more volatility comes back in. So that was just the first, like I've referred to this now as like the shot across the bow. Like that was the first shot. It is nothing compared to the volatility that we could see. I mean, volatility that we saw in 2007, 2008, 2000s, that's major volatility where we're getting consistently five, eight, you know, like massive, massive drawdowns in the market. That was, you know, weird and kind of scary and crazy at the same time. But it really was just the beginning of what we could see in the future in a lot of different markets. So Please be careful. Please understand what you're doing. Take the extra time now to really kind of batten down the hatches and make sure that you know what's going on. You know what you're trading. You double check your position size, double check your portfolio balance, all of the stuff that's really, really important before you start taking off and lifting the wheels off the ground again. So super, super important. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hey, Kirk. Uh, this is Ahmed from Egypt. I started beginner track uh, a couple of uh, days ago. I really didn't uh, go all through tutorial and uh, educational stuff you are providing in your website. But I want uh, to ask a question. Uh, does uh, uh, do the techniques you're uh, applying here in your website uh, can help me in uh, trading over a short period of time? 
Uh, I mean, some uh, brokers provide expiration date for uh, just five minutes or even one minute. Does all the techniques and the strategies you're using here uh, can apply uh, while trading assets uh, over a short period of time? Thank you. All right. Hey, Ahmed, thank you so much for submitting your question and thanks for uh, submitting it from Egypt, which is kind of cool as well. So as far as trade techniques that work over shorter periods of time, I know that you said that some brokers offer one minute or five minute expirations. I think what you're referring to there, but if you're not, just let me know. But I think what you're referring to there are mostly binary options brokers, which we are not. So we one, we're not a broker, but two, we don't do anything to have anything to do with, nor do we really recommend anybody really deal with binary options. So that's where that comes into play. So, but generally trading techniques that work over shorter period of time, it's really, really tough. So when we went back and researched a lot of technical analysis indicators and mostly like day trading indicators, like do they work over a day trading time period? It's really, really tough to find some stuff that works on a consistent basis and is really reliable. So I would say if you're going to get into the market, whether it's stocks or options, that you look for things that work over a swing trading timeline or a position trading timeline. So most of our trades are anywhere between 40 and 50 days out or so. And then we get out of trades, again, anywhere between 15 and 20 days. So we're more of position traders. We take a position for a month or two, and hopefully that position turns around or becomes favorable. But we rarely do any type of day trading. The only I guess you wouldn't even call it day trading because it's two different days. The only type of trading that we do very, very short term is earnings trades. And that's just simply playing the IV crush that happens after a stock announces earnings. So hopefully it helps out. Hopefully it answers the question. As always, if you guys would like to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook and Periscope, head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask and click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail. Again, there's no software to download or install and it's incredibly easy. Now, before we get into the closing bell segment, again, I wanted to let you guys know about our special podcast freebie, which is the ultimate option strategy guide. It was expanded out to over 190 pages. So this thing is massive. It's really, really well written. We rewrote it about a couple months ago, maybe almost a year ago, we rewrote this thing now and really kind of dug deep and went into a lot of details. And again, we're giving it away completely free. So all you have to do is go to optionalpha.com slash ebook or text in the word strategies to the short code 44222. So again, just one word strategies to the short code 44222. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so on today's closing bell segment, I want to talk about a new trade that we got into just last week. So we're actually recording this over the weekend, but we just got into this trade last week, a little bit before the stock actually rallied on Thursday, Friday, but it's a new trade in IYR, which is the iShares Real Estate Investment ETF. And so it basically tracks basically a basket of uh, real estate and real estate ETF index type thing. It's basically been as low as 71, but has recently with the market moving down, has gone down from basically 79 to 71. So 
in this whole environment, in this whole market down move that we've seen, though, we've also seen implied volatility in IYR just basically go crazy. So the last year or two, implied volatility has been super, super low. And then just in the last like two and a half weeks or so, boom, big spike in volatility, pretty much with everything else across the board. And we want to get involved in IYR because it's basically been beaten down since before the regular market has gone uh, gone down. So IYR actually started peaking in December of 2017. So if anything, kind of it might be due for a little bit more stability than the rest of the market. It might be IYR. So we want to add a real estate component to our portfolio and get a little bit of diversification here. So for full disclosure, our original positions that we had in IYR in for March expiration, we had the 78 strike iron butterfly. Then we added as the market went down, we had the 76 again, laddering into new positions. And then just the other day, the trade that we were getting into and talking about here is the 72 strike iron butterfly. So we now have iron butterflies, three iron butterflies across three different strike prices, 78, 76, and 72, which effectively creates a very wide payoff distribution for us. So we have basically break-even points at about 72, just a little bit below 72, and up to about 79. So a huge huge $7 window for IYR to fall into. Right now it's trading at the time of this recording because I'm doing it again over the weekend. It's trading at about 75. So it's has a has a little bit of a rally up. I think it could actually go a little bit higher maybe, but we wanted to ladder in all these positions because again, at the time that we entered this last week, we didn't know if IYR was going to rally or you know continue to move higher. And we wanted to ladder into new positions that were a little bit lower than the market. So our full position in IYR that we just got into earlier this week was the 72 calls and puts and then buying the 80 strike calls and buying the 62 strike puts. So we took in a massive credit of $3.70 on this position. What's really cool about this too is if you go back and kind of like think through our progression of trades that we've entered into here for IYR, it's fascinating to see, and I talk about this all the time, and members obviously know this because we've gone over this in video updates and things like that, but we always talk about how you get paid more money when implied volatility goes higher. And it, it couldn't be more evident and true here with IYR because our first position in IYR was the 78 strike iron butterfly. And at that time, implied volatility was around the 60th percentile, right? So it really wasn't high. I mean, it was high, but it really wasn't like super high. And we got paid for that same structure as the Iron Butterfly we just created, $271 in total credit. Then when IYR started to fall to 76, implied volatility went up a little bit more to around like the 70-ish range, and we got paid $293 for that Iron Butterfly. Now that implied volatility is super high, basically the 100th percentile, we're paid $370 for the same structured Iron Butterfly. So you notice that as implied volatility has gone up, we have been paid progressively and exponentially more money as implied volatility has gone up. So what does this mean? This means we start we need to start allocating more funds or you need to have funds available to take advantage of this. This is what I talk about all the time. When implied volatility is high, we need to take advantage of this because one contract makes X times more money than the same contract in low volatility. So why not just wait to some degree? Don't over allocate during low volatility wait for higher implied volatility market situations and environments, and then start allocating a little bit more money to it. So again, this is our third position IYR. So just full disclosure, because it's not just our only one at 72. And so the market bounced back. So it's not near our three, our uh, 72 strikes, but based on our break-even point, still within where we want to be for this new position and for the overall position. We'd love to see IYR kind of cool off here, implied volatility drop, and it lands somewhere between 72 and 79, which again is a really 
really wide range for this thing to land into, but I think it can do it because, you know, unless we have another down move, in which case we'll just continue adding and laddering into positions on the way down. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, any links mentioned in the show, and some related video training on paper trading, position sizing, all that stuff by going to optionalpha.com slash show 119. Again, that's just the number 119, optionalpha.com slash show 119. Until next time, happy trading.